Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, we are back, and it is finally time for some real good old-fashioned down-to-earth football, and we're going to start with what is going to be an absolute slugfest uh, when Michigan heads to the swamp to take on Florida. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, I think you've got some insights here for us on this game. Well, my first insight is that the game is uh, being played in Dallas, Texas. Oh, yes. Well, so it's not in the sw- – well, Dallas, <laughs> Dallas uh, a little bit north of what is becoming Swampland in Houston right now. But. Um, well, this one is going to be a tale of a whole bunch of new faces. Uh, Michigan, 127th of 129 programs in terms of experience back – Florida decided to spend to suspend about uh, a bunch of players, including really the highlight of them. Most of them are second or uh, substitute players. It impacts their depth, but the big one, Antonio Callaway, this was supposed to be Florida's best offense in several several seasons. Still might be, but taking Callaway off against Michigan is intriguing to say the least. I know I'm the Big Ten blogger. I know I'm supposed to be the Big Ten homer. But based on the experience back, I was originally leaning towards Florida. And even with the Callaway suspension, I still think the Gators got out a victory. All right. Uh, Coach, uh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think the Gators are going to come out victorious in this matchup. I think – with the with the firepower they have offensively and so many new faces uh, def- uh, on the on the Michigan side of the ball, I, I just think it, it. But I think it's a great, perfect matchup for Florida. I think if they catch, I think if Florida were to catch Michigan, you know, week six instead of week one, it'd be a different story. But breaking in so many new starters, so many guys that have never uh, seen that many people in a stadium and the big giant screen up there and all that goes around starting in a major program like Michigan. I think that's, you know, that speaks a lot for, you know, what, what these guys have to deal with outside of just knowing the scheme and, and knowing, you know, how to play the basic game of football. I think a lot of stuff that a lot of the exterior stuff that could be distraction for those guys will really take a toll in week one. They will eventually settle down and be fine, but week one, it's going to be tough. And, you know, honestly, you know, this is probably the best uh, offense that Florida's had. And like I said in the conference preview, uh, this is probably the best offense they've had in the last five years. So I think it's going to – I think it's all going to um, – I think it's all going to go in Florida's favor this week. Yeah, um, I think the, 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 the matchup I really want to see is Michigan's defensive line versus Florida's offensive line. Florida returning four starters on the offensive line. Michigan, obviously, Rashawn Gary in his sophomore season now, former number one overall recruit in the country. Um, they've got Brandt as well there on the defensive line, who's a real, uh, you know, he's a tough guy to move out of the trenches. So that's where the game, you know, it's going to be won and lost as far as I'm concerned. Neither team is going to be able to score a ton. This, I, I think this could be a 13 to 10 kind of game. And I honestly would not mind that at all. We're going to see a ton of offensive explosions throughout the country here in week one. Uh, but this, 
this is going to be a a game that Bo Schembechler would love to be involved in. You know, I I kind of disagree on on that to a little bit. I I don't think it's going to be as much of a slugfest as you think it's going to be. Um, I, I think it, this has a chance to really even get lopsided in Florida's favor. I think Florida's going to, I think Florida's going to make a lot of big plays offensively. Uh, Antonio Callaway is one of the best receivers um, in the SEC. I think he's as talented as anybody. Um, I, I just don't think their defense is as talented um, to, to hang with Georgia in the in the East. But I do think they have probably outside the conference, they have probably one of the best teams in the country. Um, playing, you know, non-conference uh, schedule games. So I, I think they will score a lot of points. And I, I think I think Michigan will hang with them early, but I think Florida's going to overwhelm them with not only just the overall speed, but the depth of of that speed and, and, the, and the speed of the guys up front is going to be the biggest difference um, and, and, the, and how fast and quick those offensive linemen can move is going to be the biggest the biggest key and the biggest thing, the biggest contributing factor for the Gators scoring a lot of points. All right. Well, I'm uh, glad we're disagreeing right off the bat, Coach. Um, well, let's, um, let's keep it uh, in the SEC a little bit at least. In what is what, – what, what could be probably the best uh, group of five versus power five game, at least in terms of total talent on the field when App State heads to – uh, Athens to take on your Bulldogs. So, Coach, we'll let you take it away here with the Georgia Sports Report. Well, I mean, honestly, this this game is probably one of the scariest opening games in uh, you know in recent memory because a lot of people look and see App State like, oh man, y'all uh, Georgia. I have a lot of people tell me, oh man, y'all are gonna roll over Appalachian State. Y'all are gonna just kill them, and oh man, y'all y'all need to play a real opening game. Well, I got news for those people, and I and this this is what I tell them. I'm like, Appalachian State was a power. In in FCS football, they're a program that doesn't necess- doesn't really know how to lose. Um, there, you know, there's a there's a John Wooden quote that I really love, uh, and, and he says, "We didn't lose; we just ran out of time." And I really do think that embodies uh, Appalachian State when when they get a, a tick in that loss column. It's not because they lost; it's because they just ran out of time. Um, and and they're they're an extremely dangerous team. Uh, to open the season with, especially with as many question marks as I said Georgia had, um, you know. Again, I think depth is going to be going to be the biggest biggest key here uh, for Georgia. They have more of it, um, just because they uh, they have more resources. They have eighty five scholarship players, and uh, they have you know they recruited it. The, one of the best classes in school history. Um, I think they have one of the deepest backfields that they've ever had with Sony Chubb. Uh, Brian Harrion, Elijah Holyfield, Deont- freshman Deont- freshman phenom DeAndre Swift. Um, they have a couple of freshman offensive line contributors. They're still tinkering with some of the combinations on that offensive line, uh, and I think they're going to find the right fit here. I think uh, Isaiah Wynn, as long as he's your left tackle, I think everything else will fall in place. Andrew Thomas, a kid from Pace Academy um, in Atlanta, is a very, very good guard. I think he'll end up being the left guard because I think he's athletic enough to be able to pull – um, in their power schemes. But uh, for Appalachian State, they are a stretch zone team. Um, you know, what? where they're so dangerous is they get you running laterally. They get you – they kind of stretch you horizontally and they just kind of find find seams and, and, and get Jalen Moore up in, in those little seams. Uh, Taylor Lamb has a tremendous ability um, as, a, uh, as a veteran quarterback to uh, call plays at the line, to check them out of bad, look, out of bad plays into good plays, 
based on how the how the defense sets up. So uh, for uh, for Mel Tucker, uh, really Kirby Smart. Uh, for Mel Tucker's defense, they're going to have to play a lot of games. They're going to do a lot of disguising um, if they want to have the upper hand in this one. Uh, Roquan Smith is going to have a huge game, so I, I'm not extremely worried about uh, defensively what they what they bring to the table. Um, offensively, they're just they're you know they're going to have to get away from the notion that um, they are a extremely powerful team, which uh, that's something that they're not. They're going to have to find what they do best and do it. Um, last year, I think a lot of times they just never really found, uh, I call it hat hangers. But they never really found that play that they could, they could hang their hat on. And I think this year is going to be the year where they need to find that and find that if you're in a pinch that go to play. And, and I think Jim Chaney just needs to realize that, Hey, we're, we're not some road grading team and that's okay. You don't have to be play to your strengths. Um, the most important, uh, stati- statistical category is wins. You know, you just want to lead the league in wins. And however you get there, um, whether you line up in in, uh, in 20 and 23 personnel or whether you line up in, in 10 personnel, which uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, 23 personnel would be two, two running backs and three tight ends. 10 personnel would be one running back and no tight ends. So, you know, you could line up in, in whatever personnel you want to. Um, you just got to find what works for you. And for Georgia, I think uh, really what's going to work for them is, is zone running game. Uh, they can run power. Uh, they're pretty good at running power, counter, uh, zone. They're going to do a lot of – I think they're going to do a lot of short to intermediate passing, get Jacob, Jacob Eason in a rhythm. I think once he finds his rhythm, um, they could pull away kind of like what Miami did last year at Appalachian State. Um, uh, that it's going to be kind of the plan, just get Jacob Eason in a rhythm they'll be just fine. If they don't and they struggle to protect him, it could be a long day for Georgia. It could come, be one of those games that comes down to the wire. But uh, my prediction is that Georgia's going to win comfortably. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out, but they're not, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a tight ball game. Uh, Appalachian State's going to be competitive, but I think Georgia's going to win comfortably. And like 31, 10, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. All right. Josh, you got anything to add there? I just think whoever are your Georgia friends coach, they're saying, that's going to be a cakewalk, has a really short memory. This team went into Knoxville last year and lost 2013 in overtime. I no, don't know. The scary part, Josh, is, is a lot of those people are Tennessee fans. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. does that tell you what you need I just, about? yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think Georgia eventually pulls away, but this is a, Really, really good team. They're a tough team to prepare for. App State, I, they jump from FCS to FBS. I don't know what their end game is. I don't know if they're thinking, hey, in 20, 30 years, we can be in the American. I don't know what their end game is, but they're a program that is reliable and scary and well-coached and talented Dude. and deep and experienced. Dude, they're not so much like. You could switch them out with uh, you could you could replace Boston College in the ACC, and you would actually improve the ACC. <laughs> I, I mean, and that's and, and honestly, as much as we think that's a, a joke, it really isn't. I really think they would be a competitive ACC team. Truthfully, do would be that's a my fun. I think we could have a fun alternative conference in the SEC ACC territory with. Uh, something like South Florida, App State, 
Georgia Southern, Arkansas, uh, State. Arkansas State, MTSU, Memphis, Western. Yep. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a, yeah, Western God, Kentucky. That'd, that'd, be a, that'd, that'd be a fun little conference right there. That would be a fun uh, SEC junior. <laughs> yeah, basically, that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, um, yeah. the the game of the weekend has the two thirty slot on Saturday afternoon all to itself in the new Atlanta stadium, the Mercedes Benz dome or whatever they're calling it. Uh, it's number one, Alabama versus number three, Florida state. Uh, this is the uh, first time in college football history that the number one team in the country has opened with another team in the top three. So, uh, I mean, there are so many angles to this game. You've got, you know, uh, obviously, oh, Alabama it's looking for a 7 o'clock ABC game, Florida State, Alabama. Is it 7 o'clock? Yeah, it's a 7 o'clock game. Oh, okay. I thought it was, in a, I thought it was earlier. Well, I, I, was, I misread my calendar then. Um, in that case, well, it's primetime on Saturday night. Uh, even better. So, uh, Josh, what is, uh, what is the biggest matchup you're looking forward to in this game? Well, if you rewind, I said that my biggest concern about Florida State is their offensive line. That's why I'm picking Clemson to win that division and ultimately the conference. Can't ask for a bigger trial by fire. If there's one hallmark of a Nick Saban coach Crimson Tide team, it is a scary defensive line. It's an incredible front seven. Uh, Hats off to... DeAndre for uh, for uh, DeAndre Francois for for going toe to toe with this team. He uh, I, I know it's a dome stadium, but I think he's going to find a way to have grass stains on his jersey. I think Alabama wins it. Uh, Florida State might get the rematch later in the playoffs. It's certainly a possibility, but this is not a good matchup. I feel like right now, week one for Florida State. Uh, Coach, uh, uh, Najee Harris versus Cam Akers, the top two uh, true freshman running backs in the country are going to be featured in this game. Who do you think we're going to see more of? We're going to see more of Cam Akers, to be honest with you, because I think you have Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough for Alabama going to get the lion's share of those carries. I think they need Cam Akers to step in day one, uh, truthfully, for uh, for them. So I think you're seeing more of Cam Akers. That's not a knock on Najee Harris. Um, I just think the situations are different. Um, But, you know, honestly, just going on what Josh says, this is going to be scary because up front on both sides of the ball, Florida State does not have a lot of experience. And uh, at the same time, though, neither does Alabama. Their entire new defensive front seven is basically new. Yeah. Yeah, but Alabama's a machine. They always have. Those guys – you know, those guys played some last year. Didn't one, I guess guys, didn't one of those guys, like, shoot himself in the offseason, one of their predicted starters <laughs> at defensive end? No, seriously. He hey, got, I know he, Tuscaloosa. He shot. Yeah, no, one of, them got, one of them got shot. I don't know if he shot himself or he got shot, but one of them. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah, no, one of their projected defensive ends got shot. Um, the other one was uh, suspended for violating team rules. Like, you know, I mean, obviously. I, I, I think, honestly, I think. Uh, Alabama's inexperienced defensive line is uh, more talented than Florida State's inexperienced offensive line. That's 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 why I think it's going to be a difference maker. And I think Alabama's experienced, extremely experienced offensive line is going to 
open up giant run lanes for Bo Scarborough. I think Bo Scarborough is going to have going to be the player of the game. Uh, Bo Scarborough is a. He is. A, if I if I'm if I'm Derwin James. A, and, if I'm Derwin James, this, in the, I mean, I'm so terrified to tackle this guy. He is a clone of Derrick Henry, honestly. You no, I, he's I, bigger. He's bigger. He, well, he's bigger, but I mean, he's. A, I mean, you stand him side by side. That's hard to. That's hard to believe too. Isn't it? I mean, the, um, you, you, you stand, stand two guys side by side, side though. The, I mean, the, those guys are what the, you know. Offensive linemen were built like 25 years ago. Yeah, they they look like NFL linebackers, NFL defensive ends. And they're running backs, and they can run four fives. That's scary. It, it really is. It really is. But, but you know, I, I'm 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 not saying this is going to go uh, much the way of uh, Alabama USC did a year ago. Um, I think it's going to be more competitive than that. I think uh, I think you're going to see Cam Akers is going to burst on this, and I think he's going to have a big game. Uh, DeAndre Francois, I think early on, until they get settled in, he's going to be running for his life. Um, but I do think eventually he will get settled in, and this will become a really good football game between two extremely talented teams. I think, honestly, uh, Alabama's defensive line, albeit they're albeit they bring a lot of inexperience, uh, really their defensive front seven. I think they bring a lot of inexperience, but I think they do bring a lot of talented inexperience because you know you can only you know they're they've they finished number one in recruiting for the last you know 280 years. Um, and so, you know, that's got to that's got to play some sort of role in it, I guess. You know, I don't think you win number one. I don't think you win a recruiting national championship that many years in a row to be not talented. But Florida State's been right up there with them. Um, so it's not it's not like saying that Alabama was number one and Florida State was number seventy two. You know, Florida State was up there in the top five with them. So uh, they they're they're just as good. Just Alabama's slightly better. All right. Well, it sounds like both of you guys are taking Alabama. I'm going to take Florida State um, because at, at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you guys to give your, uh, your your playoff picks, what four teams you think will go. And, playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. A um, uh, little foreshadowing here. I think both these teams are going to make the playoffs. playoffs. But uh, I, I'm actually going to take uh, Florida State here in this game. And I don't know why it's just a gut feeling, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take DeAndre Francois. I'm going to take Derwin James and I'm going to take Jimbo Fisher. And that might be, you know, not the wisest of choices, but it's the one I'm going with. Um, Sunday night though, um, Landover, Maryland is the site for what trophy Josh between West Virginia and Virginia tech. Uh, is it, the like black diamond trophy that is correct it is the black diamond trophy nice. i was pretty sure backyard brawl was uh west That's virginia, virginia Pitt. Pitt. yeah yeah so nice nice well way, way to drop some knowledge and uh this game is going to be interesting two teams uh breaking in new quarterbacks both these, both of them ranked in the top 25 but um, one of these two starting quarterbacks has uh, some serious experience, and that is the aforementioned Will Greer. Obviously, he uh, you know did some things at Florida looked you know looked really good before, uh, like we said before, getting popped for some PEDs. But uh, you know he joins a Mountaineer team that uh, you know this neutral site game versus Virginia Tech is going to be. 
Absolutely fascinating. Looks like jo- Josh Jackson is going to start for uh, the Virginia Tech, not the one that just got drafted by the Phoenix Suns, but a uh, different Josh Jackson. Uh, this one, more of a dual threat type of guy. He's going to be the first uh, freshman to start at quarterback uh, for Virginia Tech since Tyrod Taylor in 2007. So that uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on there. Um, but uh, you know, one of the reasons that you know Virginia Tech should be able to hang in this game is that despite all of the offensive weapons that the Mountaineers have, those. The, the hokey defensive backs are really, really good. Um, they've got a lot of guys who can play both safety and corner. Uh, a lot of guys who you'll see probably getting, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round drafted in the NFL. Maybe some, you know, type of guys who are going to be undrafted free agents. But um, throughout this defense, I mean, look at guys like Tremaine Edmonds, Greg Stroman, Mook Reynolds, Brandon Faison, Adonis Alexander. Um, you know, Andrew Mutapaka, like all these guys are, you know, veteran experience and they, you know, and Bud Foster will have them up and ready to play. Um, also, uh, you know, Virginia Tech definitely has the edge in special teams. Um, they're returning their kicker, Joey Sly, who was uh, 20 for 28. Uh, last fall, in, including, um, you know, going uh, 19 for 21 on attempts inside of 40 yards. So, um, you know, you got to think, you know, Virginia Tech, obviously, with the, the tradition of Beamer Ball and, uh, you know, Bud Foster still being part of the program, their, uh, their special teams should be. Uh, should I think will give them the edge over West Virginia in this game. But, um, you know, Josh, I'm curious what you will be looking for here. Uh, frankly, I don't really like either team. <laughs> but So then what's there to look out for? Well, it's interesting. So I was kind of looking at the poll. Look out for Matt falling asleep on the couch during yeah. this game. I was looking. I was looking at the poll, and West Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Texas are all kind of ranked right around each other. And I was trying to think who had the highest upside of them. And I think because of Will Greer, it's West Virginia. So that's what I'm really curious about is it's been a long time since we've seen him play. How does he do against a good defense? I think by the end of the year, Virginia Tech could emerge out of these three teams as the best of them in this kind of like mid-range, lower-in-the-pole sleeper type team. But in week one, I'm going to take the sure thing. And that, that's just the West Virginia quarterback. The hokey offense, I don't know how they're going to generate points to start the season. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a key caution. Um, and I'll, I'll use this name, Mitch Trubisky. A year ago, we sat in the same seats with the same microphones on the same program and laughed. North Carolina out of the door going, who the heck is this? This guy sounds like uh, the next uh, opponent that Rocky Balboa is going to face <laughs> in, the, in Rocky 18, you know, Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he sounded, he sounded more like, you know, Drago's protege than he did uh, an NFL quarterback. And he was second overall in the NFL draft this past year. So, you know, I, I've learned to kind of hold my thoughts on that. 
and give them benefit of the doubt because I do think Justin Conte is a, is a I think he has the edge in the coaching. I think Virginia Tech has the edge in, in three things. Coaching uh, with Justin Fuente and Bud Foster. I think they have the edge in special teams. And, of course, defense. Uh, I think they have the most experience coming back on defense. And I think what's going against West Virginia is, you know, this is the first game with a lot of these guys coming off of injury last year. And it's, it's you know, we don't know what, what's going to happen. They could come out and light the world on fire. Or they could come out and be a little, and, and have a lot of rust, which a lot of guys come off of uh, big-time injuries do have. So um, it's, it's really just so many unknowns for West Virginia. I don't feel comfortable picking them. Um, I do feel comfortable with picking uh, what Virginia Tech, who has the edge in two of the three phases, um, albeit they, they're going to struggle at the quarterback position because they got something new. We don't know. There's such a mystery in the quarterback position. Obviously, the edge at that position is going to go to West Virginia. The edge and uh, offensive line development and coaching is going to go to Joe Wickline and the West Virginia Mountaineers. But other than that, I think Virginia Tech has the edge here. Um, and then uh, we'll see who wins the uniform battle. I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Justin Quinte. I think we said that when he got the job there. Um, I think we all raved about him when he got the job at Virginia Tech. So um, give me the Hokies. All right. Well, uh, the final matchup we're going to break down here from week one is Tennessee versus Georgia Tech in uh, much like the FSU versus Alabama game, the new Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Coach, you are our native Georgian, and so uh, we know how much you love both of these teams, and so we're going to let you go ahead and break it down. It's going to be fun. Um, So uh, I – I really just hope the power goes out. They both could have lost. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, it, to, to be honest with, with these two teams, I always like if there's a conflict of um, most hated teams, I always kind of tend to, to lean towards Tennessee in those matchups because it's typically Florida or uh, whoever they're playing in the bowl. Well, actually, no, whoever they're playing in the bowl game, I do root for them. I'm not one of those SEC guys that roots for every SEC team. I'm not, I'm not one of those. Um, but I, I just honestly, it's just so so much so difficult to pick Georgia Tech in this matchup. I think Tennessee's going to underwhelm on the season, but I don't think it's going to be because they they lose to Georgia Tech. I think it's going to be, you know, obviously it's a neutral site. I use that very loosely because it's in downtown Atlanta, but still, I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be home field for Tennessee, even though it's right in Georgia Tech's backyard. Georgia Tech does not travel well. And I know that's funny to say because they're just traveling probably four blocks down the road, but they they don't show up for their team until, like, they play Georgia. And if they have anything on the line against Georgia, they, they show up. They come out of the woodworks. But, you know, so they're not going to have a lot of support at the Dome. Um, I, I think that it's a very stale program. Uh, I think they've recruited pretty – Pretty terribly, although I think they're starting to kind of pick back up. Um, Bruce Jordan swilling out of New Orleans is going to have to is going to be forced into some action. He's going to be their top recruit at linebacker. Um, I think uh, a lot of their key recruits are, are defensive guys because you have a very veteran laden defense. And I do think they're going to do a lot of good things defensively, but I don't think they match up well with Tennessee. Um, they, there's not really many people that can cover Jawan Jennings, and I think the Austin Twins uh, are going to have a hard time because, you know, they're 
5'10", and Jawan Jennings is 6'4", every bit of 6'4". Um, and I think they're just – I think Tennessee is just going to be bigger, stronger, faster, simply put. Um, I, I think the option is going to give them fits for maybe the first quarter. I think Georgia Tech is going to hang with them for the first quarter. And then I think Tennessee's just going to – honestly, I think they're going to pull away from them. I think you're going to see uh, just Tennessee just run the ball well um, on them. I think they're going to fly around defensively and, and really just give Georgia Tech fits. I think losing Dedrick Mills – um, to a violation of team rules is really going to be that 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 decisive blow that really just knocks Tech way down. Tech might finish last in the in the conference because of that. They, they have a chance of knocking him down that far. He was such a difference maker um, for that offense. He was kind of you know in in that triple option offense. For for those of you listening that might not know, uh, it's it's it all runs through the B back, and uh, you know your B back's going to get twenty something carries. And your B back better be, you know, your your best back. Your A backs are more of your receiver sweet guys, you know, and your B back is really just your power runner because he's there's not really anybody leading for him. Um, it's a lot of option based stuff. So, gonna be tough sledding for Georgia Tech. It's not a good matchup. Um, it's a terrible matchup actually. Um, so I think they're gonna get. I think Tennessee is gonna win pretty comfortably, if not if not blowout city to be to be quite. To be quite honest. Uh, Josh, you got any thoughts there, Dad? Oh, boy. Uh, I think Coach hit on a lot of good things about that game and why taking Tennessee is the smart thing. I will say this about Georgia Tech. I think all three of us would agree they've got a big edge in coaching. If I had a choice between Paul Johnson and Butch Jones with his 1990s flat top, I think I would take Paul Johnson. And Yes, yes I would. And – yeah, but the thing is that you – All Jackets have a tendency to be in games they just shouldn't be. It's like Cutcliffe. There's no reason for Tech to be in this game. I don't think any of us would be surprised if it was 24-21 going to the fourth quarter. No, that that's very true. That's very true. I, I You know, honestly, I, I could see that scenario. Um, I really could. I just – I don't know. I, I just think it's just the talent gap is so huge. All right. Paul Johnson. One thing Paul Johnson does not do well is recruit because he doesn't like to. He doesn't like to play the game. He just wants to get whoever he gets and coach him up, which is, you know, not a bad deal. But sometimes when you're, you know, playing major Power Five football, you got to recruit. All right. Well, um, it's time for our favorite weekly segment where we will pick five games against the spread. Uh, so the first game we're going to pick this week is uh, we talked about this a little, a little bit earlier when we talked about the uh, ACC and SEC previews. Um, North Carolina state is a five point favorite versus South Carolina in Charlotte. Josh, who are you picking against the spread? Who oh boy. Um, you know, Coach laid out a lot of reasons to think of the Gamecocks as a sleeper in the SEC, but I just can't get over that dope Will Muschamp being on the sideline. NC State, I love them. I talked about them at length during our ACC preview. I have them as a legitimate sleeper. I think they're going to be really good. I think they cover that five-point spread. I think they win in the 10- to 14-point range, quite frankly. Coach? Well, here's two things you can't pick against. The Lions on Thanksgiving and South Carolina in the opener. 
Um, I think there's two things you can't bet against, especially uh, South Carolina on the road to open the season. I think at home it's an easy bet. But South Carolina away from Columbia on their opener, I don't know how they do it. They play, they play extremely poor for the first three quarters, and then they somehow find a way to win. That's what they're going to do now. They're, this is probably one of the – I think this is the best South Carolina team since, I think, 2011. Since um, the, the – that was a Jadavian Clowney, uh, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, the team that went to the Dome yeah. and got, got ran out of the – no, 2010. The team that got ran out by, by Auburn. Um, that was probably the most talented. That was probably the best South Carolina team in recent history. This could be one of the, you know, not saying they're going to do much with it throughout the season, but this could be one of the most talented ones. I, I think this is going to carry them. I'm picking South Carolina. That, that was the proposal. Was that, did that team have one of the 18 years that uh, Marshall Lattimore just blew out his knees? Yes. Probably. I've never, I've never met anyone that could blow out their knees three times. Yeah. The same me. That's, a, that's poor guy because he. I mean, yeah. that kid was talented. That kid was yeah. super talented. He's well, uh, he's coaching somewhere, I think, on the sidebar. I think I, be, I believe that's correct. I um, say he's uh, he's. I saw he got on his GA somewhere. Good for him. Yeah, definitely good for him. Well, we're um, we're gonna stick in the SEC for our second game, where we have Vanderbilt, uh, three point favorites on the road um, at. Uh, MTSC. Oh, sorry. The last game, I'm picking uh, NC State as well um, for sort of the same reasons that Josh had there. But our second game, Vanderbilt, three-point favorites on the road, uh, just heading south from Nashville to Murfreesboro uh, to play MTSU. Uh, Josh, uh, do you think the Doors can get the job done against uh, Rick Stockskill and um, the Blue Raiders? Oh, boy. It's... uh... It's going to be tough without Cunningham. I really like this Blue Raider team. I think they're going to be competitive. They almost won this game a year ago. I think they're licking their chops. I think I'm going to take the points because I think the Blue Raiders have a legit shot at winning straight up. All right, Coach. I think Ralph Webb scores a late touchdown to win it for him and cover the spread. So give me the doors. All right. Um, I'm also taking the doors um, because if I didn't, I would not have a place to sleep. So uh, that, that actually makes me confident. <laughs> when the majority, the majority of people are taking the doors. That's when they fall apart. This is true. This is true. Well, uh, our next the majority game, being two. <laughs> well, our next game, um, we're going to find out if Bevo fears the turtle. Uh, Texas is 18 and a half point favorites at home against Maryland. Josh, uh, in our preview, you, uh, you know, you're a little bit higher in Maryland than most. Well, they played in a bowl game last year. Texas didn't. Uh, Maryland showed a little bit of some potential on defense last year. Texas didn't. I have the horns winning this game on my blog, 35-24. So I still have Texas winning, but not covering that gargantuan spread. Coach? I think Tom Herman is going to be successful in his debut. I think Texas fans are going to love him. I think he's going to do great things for the program. However, 
I don't think they cover the spread, but they do get the win. Yeah, they that's a by, that's a they big, win by ten. That's a big they spread. Oh, that's yeah, a big that's spread. A and I feel like Maryland's rushing attack will be able to shorten the game so that it can't get so out of hand that Texas is winning by 20 points. So we finally have a consensus. We're all taking Maryland in that one. We're all going to grab the 18 and a half points. Uh, next, we have uh, Texas's former rival, uh, Texas A&M, uh, heading to the Rose Bowl to take on uh, Josh Rosen and what they hope is a resurgent ruined team. They are four-point favorites at home. Uh, Josh, who you got? There's a really good chance both coaches get fired by the end of the season, so that automatically makes this one intriguing when you like chaos during the coaching carousel. I like chaos at all times in the in the college football <laughs> season. Um, track record for teams making the trip west seldom good. Uh, that's a lot of time zones for AM to, to go across two of them, in fact. Not many teams do very well. Big, big check in the Bruins' favor for what they have at quarterback. I think UCLA is able to cover a pretty meager spread, quite frankly. Coach? I think the edge is coaching here, and TAMU has that. Um, I know both coaches are on an extremely hot seat. I think Mora is going to be f- – I think Mora is not as good of a coach as Kevin Sumlin. Um, I think Kevin Sumlin just plays in a, in a really tough conference. It's just not working out for him. I think Sumlin's kind of the SEC's version of Charlie Strong. It just, it's just not working for him at Texas A&M, and that's okay. He'll go somewhere and, and make it work for him, like Texas Tech maybe. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, Kevin Sumlin's going to get fired, but it's not going to be because of this game. I think they win. Um, Christian Kirk has a big game. Uh, they find a way to get the ball to them somehow, and they win this game. Texas A&M had one good player on defense last year. He was picked number one in the NFL draft. Um, Josh, I see Josh Rosen uh, in his mustache coming back and absolutely shredding apart uh, the Aggie defense. Uh, give me UCLA by two scores. Uh, finally, if, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know how much we love Kansas football. Well, um, we've decided that after uh, Josh's Nostradamian prediction last year <laughs> of uh, six weeks before it happened, Josh just said Kansas is going to beat Texas at home. And it did. And it, it was the last straw. And it got Charlie Strong fired. So um, we had to retire Kansas as our final pick against the spread every week, looking at ridiculous spreads. So where do we go from there? We have to find another Power 5 team that is truly, truly awful uh, to pick against every week. So uh, obviously there are a couple contenders in every conference, but uh, after a powwow and a meeting of the minds, we have settled on Rutgers, who opened the season at home, 27-point underdogs to Washington. Josh, uh, 27 points on the road is kind of a lot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that is a very uh, Kansasian spread right there. Uh, So I'm going to base it just purely off my blog because that's the easiest way for me to, uh, to think about these teams. So in my preview, I had the score... 
42 to 14. That's and if I points. bring up my calculator, that is 28 points. So it's right on the wire, but I will take the points by a hair. Please don't let me down, Rutgers. I try and be nice to you on the block. Uh, no, by, by that, you've got you've got Washington covering. You've got them winning by 28, and they're 27-point favorites. Oh, I thought you said 28-and-a-half for some reason. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, then, you know what? That makes me feel even better, because I really did not want to pick Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> Corey? I'm going to say this. For the sake of my pick, Washington, please don't doink it off the upright on, on your extra point uh, to go up by 28. Um, I think they cover by 28 because they get more than they put in some of the younger guys, um, truthfully. Well, I, I love my father. His alma mater is absolute rubbish at football. Um, Washington, after their uh, unceremonious uh, loss in the uh, national semifinals last year, has something to prove, and I think they are going to show up and shellac Chris Ash's team. Give me Washington by 36, 38, thereabouts. So, um, well, with that, uh, we are ready for college football season, gentlemen. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty darn excited. I am too. I hope hope Thursday I can – I can at least try to catch some of the later games or whatever. I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping we're coming out with a with a handy win there. Uh, getting primed for Georgia App State, getting primed for the Florida State Alabama game. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, and then getting primed for a lot of the other good ones. Uh, Monday night's game is going to be awesome with Georgia Tech and, and Tennessee because really it's just football every day. How well, awesome uh, is that? Coach, uh, you should be able to get back in time to catch the second half of New Mexico State at Arizona State, where right. kickoff where kickoff temperatures are expected to be 107 in Tempe. All right. <laughs> it's well, a dry it's heat. Per- <laughs> it's, it's dry heat and perfect for uh, Bluetooth. Um, <laughs> that's our new headsets, man. Our new headsets are the little the little Bluetooth earpieces. I love it. I absolutely nice. love it. Really nice. Well, um, in that case, it's time for us to wrap up another uh, edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, and uh, the coach, Corey Burton, this is the professor saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Football's here! Nice! Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.